It was really like putting my back against the wall. It was like holding my own self to the fire. If I had six months saved up, I probably would have chilled for about two. You know, so for me, I'm not saying that for nobody else, but I knew for me, I need pressure. If if, if I'm too comfortable, I will stay comfortable. Like, mm-hmm. I don't like that. So I needed that pressure. So two months was enough for me because I was like, it's already making money. I had money coming in. I just need to figure out how to double this fast. <laughs> You're listening to the official 9 to 5 CEO podcast. This is the show where two nine-to-fivers discuss gyms, strategies, and how to survive the lifestyle of balancing a job and building a business. And now, here are your hosts, Tremaine Robinson and Zena Dixon. Hello, and welcome to the 9-to-5 CEO podcast. I'm one half Tremaine, a.k.a. the 9-to-5 Landlord. And I'm Zena Dixon, a.k.a. Zena Dixon, Inc. And on today's episode, we have a special guest. If you want to introduce yourself. Hey, you guys. Um, my name is Courtney Matthews. First of all, I want to say thank you for having me. I consider it an honor anytime anybody has me, you know, speak to their audience. Um, like I said, my name is Courtney Matthews. Um, I'm a tax accountant. I run a tax and accounting firm called MCOR Tax and Accounting. Um, I've been in the tax industry for about 13 years. Um, we added bookkeeping and accounting about four and a half years ago, and um, I've always loved math, loved numbers, but I actually started out in makeup, and so I was a makeup artist for five and a half years until I transitioned to do this full-time, I mean, I've been full-time doing this for a little, uh, probably full-time, a year and a half like without a corporate job, had to go back to corporate, the whole thing. Um, <laughs> but it's it's been it's been great. I've seen a lot of growth really quickly um, when I decided to just hone in on one thing. Um, but yeah, I'm excited to 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 be here and mm-hmm. chat with you guys. No, that's dope. That's dope. So taking it back from the beginning, you know, as a child, as far as your upbringing, were you around a lot of entrepreneurs or a lot of entrepreneur spirited people or was it just something that was kind of in you? Actually, no. I mean, looking back, my aunt was a hairstylist, but she she's like a kitchen beautician. Um, but she was always licensed and stuff, but she never worked in a actual salon. She always did like she would like transform, which is, I'm not like discrediting that because that's still entrepreneurship. She would like transform her garage, wherever she was living into her salon, which is actually pretty dope. But she, she also worked on the side as a caregiver. So that was probably the only example that I had. Um, Other than that, no, everybody worked a job. And so when I actually got into makeup, um, that was my first business. I didn't really know it was entrepreneurship. I didn't say, oh, I'm going to be an entrepreneur. It was, I wanted to do makeup. So <laughs> however that looked, I wanted to do it however it looked. So um, yeah, I didn't really have a whole lot of training examples. I bumped my head a lot. I learned a lot of the hard lessons on my own. That is that is a really dope story. And I love that you said um, that your you said your aunt, she did hair in her garage and she was a caregiver. It's so funny how we look back on those stories, because in the moment we don't see that as entrepreneurship, you know, 
it's not until we look back and we're like, oh, wow, auntie, she was doing it. You know, she was she was making it happen. She converted her, her garage, which saved her money, tax savings, you know, because she has that expense and, you know, marketing and all of that stuff. It's just like, wow, she was really doing it. And it's just like not until we're much older do we recognize it. So that was like a really great, you know, um, experience for you. Yeah. Was she one that um, encouraged you to get into makeup? Was was she the one that was, you know, the catalyst for the beauty part that you got into? No, not really. Uh, ironically, I was working at CBS when I got like kind of introduced to makeup. I was a cashier at CVS. I was in school. My son was like one years old. And the manager, I had like a cheap manager, and he would always like discount stuff instead of throwing it away. Things that should have been thrown away, he would discount it. So he would put it on this table in the front of the store. And sometimes there would be makeup um, discounted. I mean, like 75 cents, a dollar. And so when he would do that, I would buy it and I would just play in it. And of course, YouTube was, this was like 2012. YouTube was kind of, you know, popping with the makeup guru. And I just found interest in it. I always like to draw. And it's crazy that I, I would do accounting and makeup because one is like artsy and one is like very analytical. Yeah. But yeah. I've always liked both. I've always liked to draw. I used to draw clothes and stuff, but I always like math too. So I don't know. I think me working there at CVS with my cheap manager, <laughs> making it affordable for me to buy all this makeup and then just playing in and I would come to work with makeup on and all the customers say, oh, that's so nice. Hmm. Do you do it for other people? Blah, blah. And it just kind of snowballed after that. That's awesome. Oh, and the fact that you do that you do makeup and you was a creative and you did the analytical parts of taxes, that's like you using both sides of your brain and a lot of people don't function that way. Yeah, so I'm not going to lie to you. I, I'm an accountant. It's funny because I <laughs> I can't draw. Like, I'm not. That Go creative ahead. side, is, it's none in voice. So it's crazy to hear somebody that's actually in accounting that still has, like, artistic and creative because most I know, including myself, when you're so analytical, it's really hard for you to have like that creative man. So for you to have both, that's that's dope. <laughs> yeah, I feel like it took me a while to realize that one and be okay with it. Cause I used to, even when I started my own um my own tax and accounting company, because I worked for like Jackson Hewitt for like six years. But when <laughs> I started my own I was already a makeup artist, like pretty well known. And so I tried to keep them totally separate. Like I didn't want nobody to know that MCOR was me. I didn't know, you know what I'm saying? So I, I tried to keep them separate for a long time until I just kind of got comfortable with me. And people kind of knew me as the makeup artist who's about her business, like on the back end. And so it took me a minute to be comfortable with, I can do both and also know how to do both. Like there are parts in my day where I don't want to look at these numbers. Like my creative juices are kind of flowing. I need to do something that I can get that out. And so it's been a challenge, but I feel like now I kind of know, you know, how to kind of, kind of compartmentalize because I still got to run my business. I can't just be out here drawing on stuff all the time <laughs> yeah for sure for sure so question for you so you said you was at jackson hewitt for six years what was that experience like one and how far into your experience did you 
did it kind of click off for you? Like, hey, I can do this for myself as well. Yeah. So um, I started with and they they taught me everything about taxes at, at like 19 years old. So my mom actually was a secretary for. So Jackson, you, you know, you can buy into the franchise. So this guy in my hometown of Huntsville, Alabama, he was like the regional manager for all the Jackson. He was in our state or something like that. So, you know, Jackson, he was there in Walmart. So he mm, he had are? his own. Mm-hmm. Oh, <laughs> the South is different. Oh, that's crazy. Oh, it, it, it maybe I don't know. Maybe it's a Southern thing. I don't know. But they're in Walmart. Um, all that's the crazy. That's smart, though. Like I know in Alabama, for sure. Yeah. So every tax season, they have like a little hub. It's like maybe two or three prepares in the front of Walmart. But this guy, he was a CPA and he was like over all of the training and stuff. And so but my mom worked for him. He did these trainings every year for free. Um, of course, you had to be an employee, but he would have trained everybody for free. And so I was already in school for accounting and my mom let me know. And so I did the training. And so from there, I worked there as just a preparer for about five years. But my last year, I was about to grad. Yeah, I was about to graduate. Mm-hmm. And so I convinced him to let me be a manager. And so he did. He let me be a manager. That's where I got to see a lot more of the back end, the numbers. Mm. So I had to do the daily accounting. I had to report to the um, the owners. The owners lived in Tuscaloosa. Only the managers got to go and do trainings with the owners. So <laughs> I was getting to see like the numbers, how they do the reporting, how they did the charting, how I had to do the scheduling. I had to do all these things. And I got to see how much they were making and how much the managers were making and how much they were paying the preparers. And I was like, I can do this on my own. You know, by the end, I, I had people that would come find me every year at Walmart. Like we couldn't, I guess we could have, but I didn't take numbers and call people and, you know, I didn't take their clientele or anything. Um, but I had people that would find me every year and, you know, kind of see which Walmart I would be at. And when I, I was a manager, seeing the numbers really had me like, no, I can do this. Mm. And us the preparers and the managers hourly. And I just was like, no, I can do this on my home. But as a manager, you have a non-compete clause yep. where you can't you can't do taxes for uh, a year or two. I think it's another year afterwards. So I didn't do taxes for a whole nother year after that, but I was willing to take that risk. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. I was willing to take that risk. Sure. Honestly, I was like, oh, I'm, I'm going to do this on my own. So I spent that whole time putting my own business together. But it was really, to answer your question, it was really me seeing how this business works in the background. Mm. Uh-huh. And I was like, oh, I can do this on my own. As, <laughs> as, as an accountant, that's, awesome. that's, one, that's one thing I will say is sometimes when you work for an accounting firm, people that's listening, that does taxes, you do sign what's called a non-compete, meaning you can't you know, necessarily do taxes. But the line gets gray because you might work for a company that charges 600 minimal. And it's like, what if they're paying 400? What if they're paying 300? Is that competing? Because you wouldn't take them as a client. So I definitely get what you mean. I've definitely done the same as far as, you know, if they reach out to me personally, you know what I'm going to tell them, no? 
Exactly. So I didn't work for a company at all. I didn't work for a company at all for a whole year. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> for sure. For sure. So you go there, you see their business model, you know, you're, you're motivated by it and you want to start your own. When you start your own, you just jump off and it's just only you as far as that's your only source of income or do you have a primary job? Wow. No, well, I didn't have a job. I was still a makeup artist, but that was really successful by the time I started my um, accounting firm. So actually, I was working in a salon with my sister-in-law, and and by then, I was on my third salon. This is the third salon I had worked at as a makeup artist, Um, but I was working there. Um, and she actually allowed me to set up a desk in her shop during tax season. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I did everybody, well, mostly everybody in the salon. And most of my first clients were other beauty professionals, other makeup artists, other around. And so, um, yeah, my first few clients, they would come in the salon. I had like a little setup in uh, one of the areas and it wasn't like a ducked off office of my own. It was in the midst of people (laughs) people getting their hair done and stuff, but it worked. Like I said, by that time, people had already known me. I was already putting on like these business, um, not seminars, but like little groups series where I was teaching about marketing. I was teaching about uh, systems. I was teaching about, you know, other things, you know, as far as business. So I was already kind of known as like the makeup artist who got her business stuff together type of thing. So in my first few clients, it was like, okay, cool. Like they knew I had went to school for account. I had told that story, you know, multiple times. So it, it was a struggle to get from the people who knew me to get other clients. But like I said, I had already been doing taxes every season. It wasn't like I was new to taxes or new to that work. It was just introducing this side of Courtney to everybody, you know, so, but it, it, it worked. (laughs) I think that was great marketing for you to be in the salon and people knowing you do taxes and people sitting at your desk, getting their taxes done because Mm -hmm. It's like word of mouth. They're like, oh, Courtney, do taxes. Yeah, go over there, girl, get your hair done. And then go go to Courtney and get your taxes done. It's like a one-stop shop, you know? Yeah. I don't think it would have worked if I had already not introduced myself as somebody that you can trust with your business, per se, or like a numbers girl kind of sort of. I don't think it would have worked if I was just, all you knew was makeup, Courtney, and now all of a sudden... I want to do your taxes. Right. Yeah. It was definitely just me for the first. I actually just started hiring people like two years ago. So it's been just me for like the first four years, every tax season, just me. No, that's dope. That's dope. That's just a testament to starting. Because I think a lot of times when people think about starting a business, they think about having their own office or their own building just to start. And it's like, yo, fam, you're starting the back of somebody's salon, but you started. It don't even matter where it was, the fact that you actually did operate a business and now you at a level where you can, you know, hire other people. But question for you, how long until your entrepreneurial journey did you realize, you know, A, this is harder than I thought it was, and two, 
how far into it were you able to develop processes to kind of get those clients away that might not have been ideal for you? Because I know at first when you start a business, everybody's a client, right? But I know through experience, you kind of get to realize like, okay, everybody can't be a client. So for you, how long was that? I'm going to be honest with you. I'm just now doing that because I'll tell you what, well, mind you, makeup and then accounting, in the makeup industry, I mean, if they don't like something, they just don't come back, you know. Um, mm. But I've never, thank God, I have never experienced any, like, bashing, anybody, like, completely dissatisfied. Um, not things have been perfect. I've had to issue refunds. I've had to issue, um, you know, courtesy things, go out of my way to make somebody happy. But I've always, and probably because I've worked jobs, customer service jobs, I've never taken the stance of, oh, well, you're just going to have to be unhappy. I always try to make it right. If I messed up or even if I didn't mess up and you're just not happy, I've always tried to make it right. Um, so I haven't really had a whole lot of experience with having to fire clients, really. Um, I have had experience, especially when we first introduced bookkeeping, um, where somebody just kind of outgrew what I can do for them because I was still learning. So I had a client that just outgrew me. And that was kind of a tough peer because I only had two clients at that time and one of them was leaving. So that was kind of a tough pill to swallow. But now, like I said, this is kind of when I quit my corporate job, because I went back to corporate for two years. When I quit that job to do this like full, full, full time, we saw a lot of growth in the past like 10 years, 10 months. Um, we grew like crazy. And I'm just now experiencing people leaving um, like these past two months. Mm. So up until then, everybody was staying. Everybody that came in like last year, September is when the start, well, August, when the surge started, I, we were just growing, growing, growing. Nobody was leaving. People just started leaving like in May. And mm. some of them were my people who had been with me for like a year. And, but I just had to realize that this is not a forever thing for, for everybody. Some people are starting another business. Some people are closing their business. Some people got family stuff going on, uh, you know, so it's, that, it's not always personal. And even if it is something that I did, honestly, I still haven't gotten to the point where I'm sending out surveys and I'm sending out like, Hey, all right. I ain't got to that point yet, <laughs> but we're, we're about to, because I felt like I knew that it was things on the back end that weren't perfect. And so I'm like, oh, I don't think that I could take them saying they not happy with our service because I know it needs work. But it's like, I don't know if this is like a psych psychological thing, but I when I know it's good, when I know that I put the effort in and I'm, I've done all that I know to do, then I feel like I can receive feedback. <laughs> I don't know if that's crazy, but... I don't know. It, it's work, but I haven't had to fire anybody yet. Now, there are some people, some clients that I prefer not to deal with or I don't deal with the same as other other ones, but I haven't had to fire anybody yet. <laughs> oh, oh. So, um, question I have for you. So, um, 
when you said you had to go back the first time and work for corporate for two years, was that after you trying the entrepreneur thing on your own? Yeah. So when I went back to corporate, I had been an entrepreneur for five and a half years at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, so like I said, I was doing my um, tax and accounting firm pretty much seasonally. It was pretty much just for tax season. All the rest of the, the time I was a makeup artist. So by that point, I had, I was on my second salon or second studio. I had expanded this studio and tapped out my savings. And it, it was a, it's funny because this was four years ago. It was a newer concept then, but now everybody does it. It's like the salon suites where you have like your, every like artist or hairstylist has their own suite. So I opened up a facility like that. It was about five suites in there, conference room, break room. It, it, it was a big project, but I had the vision that it would work. And not to say that I was the only one in my city doing it, but black owned, it was only one other black owned uh, salon suites and hers was like a luxurious, she, she was a hairstylist. She had it all laid out. Um, so I was the second black owned in the city and I just felt like it was like a newer concept. People just wouldn't grasp in it. Uh, um, I was trying to introduce hairstylists to this makeup studio. Mm. So all in all, it just didn't work. And I had to close it like eight months into it. And so after that, I, I don't know if this was timing, but I closed it right around tax season. So I had I rolled right into tax season. So I didn't have to go back to work uh, like corporate right away. But what happened was, you know, I have a, a son and he was 10 at the time and he wanted to live with his. Well, he wanted to be closer to his dad. And so which was about an hour and a half away. So we had been kind of back and forth until this point. And I didn't have a studio anymore. There was nothing holding me there. So originally we were just going to send my son for the summer and just kind of see how it works. And I just was like, "Ah, I'm coming too. (laughs) So, but I didn't have any money. So I had to get a job. Um, Like I said, I just had had tax season money for right then, but I had tapped out everything I had in that previous studio. So it's like, if I'm going to go with my child, then I'm going to get a job. And so that's what I did. The first job I got was in payroll. I had never done payroll before, mm. but they just saw what well, is actually kind of got it like word of mouth, but they knew that I had knew about taxes and accounting. So they brought me in and taught me payroll, which I'm grateful. I'm so grateful for, because I don't think I ever would have tapped into payroll they brought me in, taught me payroll. They moved me. But when I got there, it just wasn't what it was a mid-sized business. They didn't have a lot of systems. They didn't have a lot of things in, in order. And at that point in my life, I just was like, I'm only here to get some get my money up. Like I'm not here to try to, you know, stick with y'all. <laughs> I'm not here to try to build this business. Cause in the back of my mind, I'm like, I gotta get back to my business, to be honest mm. with you. So I, w- I knew I wasn't here to build nobody's business. Mm. So I only stayed there for like five months and I got another job in payroll because that payroll was on my resume in payroll for a fortune 500 company that was headquartered in that city. And that job really taught me a whole lot. I learned so much about payroll tax. It's just payroll 
in general and being able to put that into my business. So I stayed there a year and a half. I made my exit plan date because I would be sitting at my desk miserable. I was like, I got to get back to my stuff. Like, <laughs> mm. I got to get back. And so, yeah, total of two years back in corporate. And I was like, all right, this is this is enough. So I quit about a year and a half ago and I ain't looked back. Dope. I love with your, you was able to um, build your skill set for your business, you know, while getting paid at these corporate companies. And for the listeners, that is so key because depending on the business that you start, you're going to need these different um, skill sets like payroll, for instance. So if you have the opportunity to learn these things at your job on their dime, right. you should so if you, once you decide to roll out, you got this whole great skill set that's going to be so applicable in your business. So I love that you highlighted that, like, and your exit strategy, you was like, okay, I'm going to give you two years and I'm going to get everything I need to get out of this so that I can transition. So I, I think that's really dope that you like set a deadline because a lot of times we will, we'll keep psyching ourselves out like, oh, let me give it another five, five months. Let me give it another, you know, wait, wait until after my review and I get my bonus, then I'm going to leave, yeah. you know, keep talking yourself um, into staying because you're scared to take the leap. But I think once you decide, okay, this is my, I'm drawing this line in the sand and, you know, I'm going to save this amount of money because you do need money to start a business, you know, but now I'm going to jump. And I'm and I'm a, I also. Do you work a nine to five or looking to add more value to your five to nine through rental property investment? Rental property management does not have to be difficult, confusing, or impossible while you work your day job. Tremaine, aka the nine to five landlord, four one four presents nine to five landlording one hundred one for beginners. This complete guide will help you to manage your rental units while you focus on your nine to five, and Tremaine will give you the entire blueprint, the tools and the processes he's personally used to manage his rental unit portfolio while working his 9 to 5. Grab yours today at 9to5landlord414.gumroad.com. That's 9to5landlord414.gumroad.com. It's 9to5landlording101 for beginners by Tremaine, aka the 9to5landlord414. If you're looking to buy your first multifamily property but don't know where to start, don't worry any longer. We have a solution for you. Book a one-on-one 60-minute call with Zena Dixon today. In our time together, you'll receive the answers to your questions, insight into your goals, and an action plan that you can put into motion to start you and your family on your wealth-building journey. Investing in multifamily real estate was the beginning for countless millionaires. And now is your turn. Book with Zena Zena Dixon today at Calendly.com forward slash Zena Dixon INC. That's Calendly.com forward slash Z E N A D I X O N I N C. Also, see the link in the show notes. I think that's cool that you pointed that out because going back before I quit, um, I, pro- I probably knew I was going to quit about seven months before. So I started planning. Um, about seven months before that, it was about September the, the previous year. And I knew because I just was miserable. Like I would have a meltdown at my desk like twice a week. Um, and it wasn't because of the job, the people. I love the people. I love the job. I was still learning so much. But it was because I, I knew that it was time to go. Like I knew it was time to go. I knew I needed to get back 
to my business. It was just something on me because I knew what it felt like to, 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 to be an entrepreneur and how many people that I can help. And at that point, that's when I was hiring my first team. No, I had, this is my second team for tax season. So I was training them and stuff like that. But I was getting nervous because I had 10 tax agents that year and I'm still at work. And if they're doing taxes and they got questions, I'm not really available like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was I was really nervous going into tax season that year uh, because I had a team, a whole team plus my clients and I'm going to work every day. Mm-hmm. Um, so when tax season came, I was just like, I'm going to manage this until I can't manage it no more. I always knew that my business comes first. Mm-hmm. But by that, by that time, it was already profitable. Um, outside of tax season, that summer before I started doing digital products. Well, I had done them before, but I started putting out digital products. And my webinars and my trainings I was doing them every month, uh-huh. every month. And, and that's how I was making money. That's how that's how my company was, was bringing in money. And then in these, well, I think it was November, December, I had my biggest webinar and I put out a planner, um, which I didn't make a whole lot of money on the planner because I discounted it, but I sold like 50 of them. Mm. And um, those two things combined, I was like, if all else fails, I got tax season and I got these digital products that I know I can push. I, I got the formula. At that point, I had the templates for the landing pages. I knew how to lay out the um, the PowerPoints. I knew how to do the email sequences before and after the class. I was just running like clockwork. And so I was like, if all else fails, if I don't get no clients, I know I can do this. So I was like, this is making enough money for all of my bills. Mm-hmm. So. It was doing that for about, about four months straight. Um, so I was like, honestly, I know I can do this again. So, but, but like you said, if I didn't, if I didn't have that date though, I probably would have kept tiptoeing. I would have kept tiptoeing, but I had a date. Mm-hmm. And I was nervous as crap when when that date came for me to give that letter. I was so nervous. I was like, oh, my God, what if this don't work? Because I really only had about two months solid of bills. Like if I don't got, make no money, I really only had two months of living. Mm-hmm. But that just wasn't an option because I knew I knew I knew how to make money. Mm-hmm. I knew I knew how to make money with this. And I, it was really like putting my back against the wall. It was like holding my own self to the fire. Like if I had six months saved up, I probably would have chilled for about two, you know? So for me, I'm not saying that for nobody else, but I knew for me, I need pressure. To, I, if, if, if I'm too comfortable, I will stay comfortable. Like mm-hmm. I don't like that. So I needed that pressure. So two months was enough for me. Cause I was like, it's already making money. I had money coming in. I just need to figure out how to double this fast. <laughs> Damn, that's fire. That's fire. So I have a two-part question for you. My first question is, the first time when you ran out of money and you went back to work, usually when entrepreneurs fail and they go back to work, they say, I never want to go back. 
to that because they kind of it's a traumatic experience for some people. So for you, my first question is, what was it for you where the entrepreneur spirit just still kept within you? And my second question is, um, how far into leaving after the second time did you really realize, like, okay, I got this, like, I'm good? (laughs) That's a good question. Um, Well, to answer the first question, I did. Okay, well, I felt a little bit embarrassed. I felt a little bit um, like I failed. I felt a lot a bit like I failed. But I felt that when I closed the studio four months before that. So I was already feeling like I failed, you know. And to be honest with you, this is not to be cocky or arrogant or nothing. But up until that point of me closing that second studio, I hadn't really had a big failure. Like, of course, like I said, I went through things, you know, everybody not happy. But a major failure, I hadn't had one, to be honest with you especially to have it tied to finances and I'm supposed to be the finance girl. I felt like a failure. Uh, clearly I didn't, I didn't have business credit cause I wouldn't have used my own money. That was definitely a lesson, but yeah, I felt definitely embarrassed, a failure. But the thing that kept me going was my son. Cause it was like, are you going to cry? Are you going to sit here and keep moping and keep crying? Or get out here and get this money. You have a skill set. You have experience. Um, and luckily, I worked in a field that was in demand. So I knew I could get a job. You know, it's just me putting my pride aside to actually do it. Um, and then ask your second question, when did I feel like this was good? Honestly, <laughs> um, probably like three months after I left. I left my job last year in March, okay. probably about August. But I ain't gonna lie, I took some trips. Like I, I left and I left in March. By May, I had took two trips, and <laughs> by the end of July, I'm like, Courtney, what are you doing? Like you ain't got it like that yet. And so I had to like really get back on it. But by September, we had onboarded seven new clients Mm -hmm. and it just kind of kept growing two, three, four new clients every month after that. And so honestly, I'm really just now feeling like, okay, we got some good, it's systemized. I kind of, I know, but honestly, I was talking to one of my friends the other day. The hardest part was me. It was mastering me. It wasn't the systems. It wasn't because I know what I'm doing. I know, you know, I know how to do taxes. It's really not a whole lot of questions that I don't have answers for, for my agents and stuff like that. It was me. I had to be a better CEO Mm -hmm. and I'm still, you know, on that path. It's been me. How do you handle conflict? How you handle uh, you know, when your things are not doing well, team management, um, team camaraderie, like it's been me. I'm the I'm the organizer of this whole company. So whatever, whenever something fails, doesn't work, it's my fault. And I've had to really come to terms with I'm I'm responsible for all of this. That's been the hardest part. And I think that's why I haven't been able to feel like who until like now. I just wanted to talk about you, um, about your digital products. So um, 
I just want the listeners to know when you have a skill set or you have this know-how about a particular thing, people will pay you for that knowledge. And to monetize that knowledge is something that can infuse your business with money as you're growing your systems. Like Courtney said, you know, she's growing her system. She's, you know, training, she's bringing, she's onboarding clients. And then she has this other stream of business that is bringing her, you know, income passively because digital products, you create it once, you put it out there and people can continuously, continuously buy it. So it gives her a little breathing room in terms of hustling for that next dollar. So um, I just think that that's really dope that you mentioned that, that, you know, that was something that was sustaining you for a little while while you worked on the other parts of your business. Um, I know that we see these memes on social media that says every entrepreneur or millionaire has seven streams of income. And a lot of times people will think they got to do seven different businesses when that's not typically the case you can have you can find these seven streams within under the umbrella of your business so selling digital products maybe having seminars maybe having events like all of those things fit right under your business and you don't have to learn something new like yeah. oh, i'm gonna be a trucker and then i'm gonna own a food truck and then i'm gonna do this you know what i mean like you just keep it all under one umbrella it makes it makes it very um, easy for you to scale that type of business um, and to churn out more digital products because it's all under the same umbrella. So I'm so happy that you said that because a lot of times people will think, well, my efforts have to be everything that, you know, is bringing in the money when they can create a passive income stream via digital products. So that's yeah. dope. <laughs> and honestly, when I when I grasp the concept of putting my or packaging my knowledge in different ways, like you said, the, and I like to do my trainings live and then sell the recording. Um, but when I learn that there's digital products, like you said, in-person webinars, there's um, just so many different ways for me to get this same message. I'm saying the same thing. And for the longest, I, I didn't like that. I was like, I got to find something new to say. But no, it's just a new way to say the same thing, honestly. And same thing with social media. It's just like, I'm going to be, I'm saying the same thing over and over and over. But there's new people here, you know, right. find different ways to say it. Um, but that was uncomfortable for me for a long time because I am still a creative and I'm I'm thinking oh they don't want to hear the same thing they don't want to see the same thing but no they do like they do and that's what makes you um an authority in your field because you have honed in on one thing it took me a minute to be like I'm just gonna focus on this for the longest I've heard people tell me you know when I was in makeup that I should just do this and the accounting is what was going to work, blah, blah, blah. It's my friends, everybody. And I didn't want to hear that, honestly. But it's so much power in focusing on one thing until it's successful. Ain't that the focus on what? I don't know. But I've heard that before, like focus on one thing until it's successful. And I'm not coming off of this until I've built it to where I, I see it in my head. And then I probably go back to um, the beauty industry, but it'll be like me owning another salon. I don't have to do nothing. I'm just owning this, another stream of income. But honestly, this right here, I'm going to be doing this until I build it up to where, 
you know, I can be like, okay, this is how I saw it. And it ain't there yet. Mm-hmm. So do you think, you know, just thinking long term that you'll franchise your business like Jackson Hewitt or H&R Block? Mm. No, I thought about that. But no, I, my vision is more of like the um, the big uh, the, the big is a big four um, companies. That's more of my vision. I want to employ um, people under one um, kind of one wheelhouse and. I'm I'm starting to do. I've had had my tax agents um, for the past two years, well three this year, and I want to do that with bookkeeping. I want to do that with accounting. I have like a junior accountant on staff, and I want to just be able to have those different layers. Eventually, have a uh, business development portion. Um, where we're, you know, getting you all the way legal and stuff like that. So, yeah, I don't I don't see it being like that. More like um, just a, a big accounting firm. The one that I thought I would work for when I was in school. Me too. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, what's next for you and your business within like the next six months to a year? I know you have your longer term plans, but like what's next in the aim in the future? Uh, six months to a year, man, six months from now, this is perfect because we at the halfway mark, but six months from now, we'll be gearing <laughs> up for, you know, tax 2022, but, um, I see me having more tax agents than I've ever had before, but also having a bookkeeping team, um, having other accountants under me. Cause right now I'm the only accountant and that's been a struggle. So, but it's, it's, so it's time to bring in other accountants and then, but the way I'm a structure, the, the, the way I'm a structure, the bookkeeping team, I don't think anybody else has done it this way. Um, so I see that, that completely taken off doing more trainings in person um, and then have it and, I've always wanted like that one staple course, um, but I want it to be exclusive. So it's not going to be available like all year round, mm-hmm. maybe like twice a year or something like that. I've always wanted that. I just haven't had the chance to do it how I want to do it. I want it to be just top notch. Mm-hmm. So I see me completing that in the next maybe year or so as well. Um, yeah, and just keep growing and expanding. But like I said, I have been the I have been the reason why we haven't grown. We've like we've grown and it's been pretty rapid, so I can't complain. But I know that if I don't continue to be like try to be a better CEO, continue to grow as a CEO, the company can't grow. And so that's one of my main focuses is that. I continue to grow and expand so I can carry this company. That's right. I know that you're going to, you're going to do all those things and kill it. It's going to be amazing. Um, I, I thank you so much for joining us today. One, because it's Saturday morning <laughs> and everybody um, but just sharing the gems about your journey um, and how you had to go back to your nine to five because people, you know, they, they find shame in that. Like, Oh my God, I failed, you know, but we always talk about Tremaine and I, how 
why would you make life harder for yourself if you don't need to? If you got to go back to work to get that money so you're not stressing about your bills and stuff so right. you can to the next thing, go ahead and do it. It's no shame in that. I think that what's the, the shameful part is having the pride and the ego to not allow you to do that and causing suffering for you in your life for no reason. So I love that you said that. And, you know, the other thing was you had a plan. You was just like, I, I feel like from your story, it was aching you like every day to be like, oh, I got to get out of here. But you steadfast to your plan so that, you know, you made sure that you jumped out at the right right time that you had a, you know, a cushion. It was probably just too much, but that's a cushion that, you know, somebody that um, is going to go after it with everything in them. That's enough for them to have to go to the next level. Um, so it seems like your business has grown exponentially from that point. So it was like a great bet that you made on yourself, you know? Um, yeah, so I, I really had to believe in myself a lot. <laughs> like, <laughs> I really had to believe in myself a lot. But, but mind you, the business was already profitable. So I, I didn't feel like I needed six months. Now, if you start the business from scratch and you're trying to leave your, leave your job, then six months is a good, no- <laughs> good number. <laughs> But I do want to point out before we go, like what going back to corporate did for me, I don't feel like I would have been here this fast had I not gone back to my corporate job because that last job working for that Fortune 500 company, our payroll team was really small. Um, it was like seven of us. But when I first came in, they were doing a lot of things still manually. And I was so surprised that this billion dollar company is still light years behind in technology. And it was because a lot of the team members had been there 25 years. Mm. And so they were a lot hesitant to change. And here I am, and there was another black millennial in there, the youngest two in there. We like, we're not doing all that by hand. We not, we not, and we honestly started skipping steps and nobody noticed. But I say all that to say, like, I paid attention a lot to their systems and how they did things. I paid attention a lot. My boss was a CPA. She taught me so much how to build a database from scratch, how to build spreadsheets from scratch and how important they are still to accountants um, and how I can utilize them how she managed us, how she answered to her bosses, how oh, she, how organized she was, how she never missed the deadline. She was a little stressed, but she, she was very dedicated and how she took her job seriously because a lot is on her plate. I knew that was going to be me one day, you know, that's me caring for my team and being organized, being aligned, uh, knowing what's going on with every team member, not just on the job, but personally too. I learned so much outside of the actual skill set of how to run payroll, payroll taxes, all that stuff. I paid attention a lot to the behind the scenes. I did the same thing in makeup when I worked for Mac. I pay attention to how this is ran because obviously something is going right because this is a billion dollar company. So they're doing something right. Not saying everything is right, but something is going right. So that's what I want 
to implement. And I really have implemented a lot from those bits from that company in my business. So while you on your corporate job, get as much as you can ask questions, talk to these people, talk to these managers, these, your boss, um, you know, they exact. Sometimes the, um, the finance um, president would come to our floor, come talk to us, crack jokes and and whenever I had a question or whenever I had a chance to ask anything I'm gonna ask something like you gonna <laughs> I'm gonna ask you something because now I don't have the opportunity to just casually talk to a million dollar you know finance director I don't have that opportunity anymore so I'm gonna take it while I'm there so I would definitely say that to y'all uh, your audience like take advantage don't despise it like I was having meltdowns, but I was still like, okay, the countdown, the countdown is real, you know? Um, but I, I love my time there, honestly. Awesome. Awesome. I, I know that we're about to wrap up, but what you said just piqued the question for me. So yes, when you're in your corporate jobs and you have access to, you know, the, the CIO and the CTO, because, you know, you're working for them, you're probably doing projects with them or someone, you know, on their team and you do have access to them. So yes, when you're in these meetings that you're like, oh my God, not another Zoom meeting, tap in and ask questions because these are things that you can probably take away to, for your job. But what I wanted to ask you, Courtney, was because you are a very forward thinker, you you prioritize systems in your business, working efficiently. Do you think you can reach back to that last company as a subcontractor and say, hey, I want to come in and help optimize your systems and, you know, blah, 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 blah. Because when you said, you know, you don't have access, now that you're a full-blown company, you probably got a LinkedIn profile. So, you, you know, you're official. And a lot of companies, a lot of businesses do that. Like for myself, I'm a, I'm, I've always been a contractor for IT and I would contract my services to businesses that I had worked for previously. And they'll be like, oh my God, Zane, I remember you. You're a business now. I'm like, yep, I'm a single business, single person business. But yes, I can come in because you know my work. You know, I like, you know, to implement good systems. And they'll bring me on for a contract for like six, six months. And, you know, I get to dictate my price, you know, and everything. So I was just wondering, is that something that you would consider um, now that you have that experience? And then you added your own sprinkle of Black Girl Magic on top of that. Oh, yeah, definitely. But like I said, I feel like I'm just now getting to that space. And because I had to manage my own clients, I didn't feel like I was ready to like put that out there. But now, definitely, I actually just got an email maybe like two weeks ago about that, um, that opportunity, something similar. So yeah, going forward, let me add that to my next six months. I definitely want to work more because right now it's more so business to business, but I do want to take it to a corporate level for sure. But like I said, I just didn't feel like we were ready. And a little bit of that is me not being ready, but yeah, I, I definitely want to tap into that. I thought about that before I left, like y'all going to be asking me to come back. <laughs> but, but yeah, definitely for sure. Thank you for putting that back in my mind. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And it's so funny because, you know, I have a really good relationship with my manager at my job and we're always talking about starting a business, like just in jest, but I'm always thinking, if you jump, we could jump together because I like how he does 
his part of the thing, things and he likes how I do my part, the IT part. So if we did create a business, it would be it would be bananas because, you know, I already know how he works. He already knows how I works. He knows how frustrated I get when people do things in an antiquated way. So when you said people running um, departments that have been there for 25 years and they don't change, it's just like you are costing a business so much money with your antiquated systems. Yeah. <laughs> not, you know, not having systems. So we both, you know, you know, we're chatting with each other and we're like, oh my God, if they don't fix this, you know, because you, you have the foresight to make things better, but they're being resistant because it's job security for them. As long as they have that tribal knowledge of, oh, this is how this works. And I'm the only one that knows this formula. Yeah. Somebody's going to always come to me. That's that's bad business, you know. So I I think that's a perfect opportunity for you to get back in there and say, hey guys, let's do this a better way. Let me show you how I'm gonna save you some money. So um, I'm so glad that's now gonna be part of your six month plan. <laughs> yeah, because now those people, most of those people are, are up for retirement. And so now what? Now everything that they know to do is going with them and now you kind of have to change and my manager kind of she didn't know nobody knew I had a business except the other black girl that was there so nobody knew I had a business kind of until I left (laughs) and uh my but my manager would comment like I could do her job one day and I was like girl I don't want your job I do not want your job, but I like what she does, but I don't, I don't want your job like that, you know? Exactly. I'm like, when are y'all ever going to leave? So. (laughs) Yeah, that's how it happens. That's how it happens. But thank you for taking out your Saturday morning to come to talk to us. Um, I really enjoyed this conversation, especially coming from an accountant, an accountant that's also a creative which I've never ran into. So that's, that's beyond dope. So for the people that's listening, where can they reach and follow you at? Yeah, sure. Um, so my Instagram is tax coach, Courtney, this tax coach, Courtney, C O U R T N E Y. Uh, my website and my firm is, um, M Cortex, M C O R E T A X. And uh, our Instagram page for the business is the same thing. Find us on Instagram, Facebook, um, all that at MCortex, and reach out, schedule a free um, a free session or a free consultation call with us. We'll be happy to answer all of your bookkeeping, payroll, tax, or accounting questions. Awesome! Thank y'all again for having me. Thank you. So- Funny for sharing your story. You are a doll. I just want to tell you that. You're <laughs> Thank you. I just cut my hair like a week ago. I had locks like down here. Yeah, you did. You did. I was like, yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Well, that's going to do it for this episode. I am Tremaine, one half, a.k.a. the nine to five landlord. And I'm Zena Dixon, a.k.a. Zena Dixon. All right, y'all. Be blessed.